Hello and welcome to Soundwaves, the official podcast of the Ellen MacArthur Cancer Trust. I know I said we'd be back after trip season, forgive me for changing plans, but we hope you like this bonus episode. I think it's a really good one. First things first, happy Pride Month. To the trust community, to everyone out there, be happy, be safe, be well. It was on a trip in Largs recently when Amelia came up to me and said we could do a Pride Month podcast, and so here we are. Amelia joins us along with Ivan and Louise. All of them are graduate volunteers with the Trust, so they've been around for a few years now, and I'm really grateful they could join us for this one. We've had a few episodes about how cancer intersects with other parts of a person's identity, such as body image, such as fertility. And it's important to understand how someone's LGBTQ identity is also something cancer intersects with. As with everything, each person's experience is unique, which is why I'm so glad we have three voices on this episode, sharing what it means to them. We also talk about what it means to be part of the LGBTQ community and be part of the trust community, how those things interact. We've always wanted everyone to feel welcome at the trust, but I think it's fair to say that that has become an even bigger focus lately, especially with the launch of our recent ambitions. We can't build belonging if people feel excluded. We can't make steps forward if the trust team don't ask questions, which is why build belonging and ask questions are two of our ambitions. They are guiding us. I appreciate that in this chat, Louise, Ivan and Amelia share their experiences with the trust from more recently all the way back to 2012 when Ivan came on his first trip. So with that, it's over to them. Amelia, Ivan, Louise, thank you so much for joining us. It's Pride Month, we're doing our Pride podcast. Then actually, it's because Amelia came up to me on a trip a few weeks ago and said, hey, have you thought about doing a Pride Month podcast? I'd love to be a part of that. Uh, what was it that made you think, oh, that's a good idea, the Trust should do that, I'd love to take part? I think with the Trust recent uh, development in supporting people in the LGBT community, um, LGBTQ plus community, um, I thought it was a great idea to maybe have an introductory one to, especially the young people that were coming on trips, that wanted to know there were people on the trips that were out there that liked them, that, um, but also to highlight our experiences because being part of the LGBTQ community, our experience has an inherent difference and it's a very weird and wonderful experience but can sometimes be quite detrimental. And I think uh, highlighting that is really important, but also it's great being both a cancer survivor and being LGBTQ. And there's also happy parts of that as well. Um, so highlighting both was really important, I thought. So can you tell us a little bit about that experience when it comes to being part of the LGBTQ community and having had cancer and how those parts of your life connect? Yeah, so obviously cancer, both parts are a huge part of my identity. Um, cancer, I was diagnosed when I was 13, so at a very important time in your life, it's when you start going exploring, it's when you start becoming independent, uh, and all of that was removed for me. So um, I was put in a room was isolated from the rest of my friendship groups, didn't really have that kind of conversation with those friends going, you know, working out, you know, that normal teenage lifestyle, if that makes sense. And um, it wasn't until I met Louise at certain like rehab trips and that kind of thing that I knew that there was people like cancer survivors like me. Um, however, I've always known I was queer. I knew that I was not fully gay, but knew that I was either bisexual or pansexual. And that was the journey I needed to go down. Um, but not being exposed to 
you know, not being in the school where I was receiving PSHE lessons, not being in an environment where I was surrounded by my peers and surrounded by normal culture, it kind of detracted from my panic and my experience. When I realised I was queer, I think a lot of people didn't believe me because I hadn't had that experience as a teenager. They go, oh, well, you've not you've not been out in life, so how do you know that you are queer? Where it's something that's inherently deep inside you. It's like you know who you are inside you. It's like you know that you really, really, for example, from a trip, we discuss our favourite flavour of ice cream. You know your favourite flavour of ice cream and you don't need to, like, fight to say that your favourite flavour of ice cream is chocolate. And I'm not trying to diminish being queer to a flavour of ice cream. Um, but it feels like when I came out of treatment that I had to fight to say that I was queer and people kind of dismissed my, um, yeah, dismissed my queerness. And um, now as I've just come out of remission, I had a letter a couple of days ago saying that I'm out of remission, which was like, um, it made me really reflect on the fact that um, that there was an impact on how I felt as a cancer patient receiving post-cancer treatment. So especially filling in forms where I don't assign to normal gender roles so I don't uh, inherently I don't describe myself as female I describe myself as non-binary so it was really it's sometimes a little bit of a shock to the system when you see on the form that there is only two options and I understand from a medical point of view that obviously sometimes it's really unfortunate that we do need to be put, brought back to like gender binaries because of medical reasons but it would be nice to be asked to be respected and have at that point like just even if on the forms it's not used but just to ask oh what pronouns do you use uh how do you feel about the situation if we're scanning this do you have any triggers or any kind of like red flags that are going to impact your experience of this scan of this meeting of this um doctor's appointment if that makes sense and um yeah that was really important to me that it was known that there's those impacts on people Louise, you recently spoke about this with our friends at Teens Unite Fighting Cancer as well. And you said yeah. you engage with these two different communities, the cancer community and the queer community. Why is it important that there's a bridge between the two of them for you? Um, I think it just happens naturally that they are kind of separate, whether I like it or not, really. Um, I think maybe that's because of maybe the lack of people who are out on trips. Um, I'm not sure. But I think, you know, I've got so I've got a drag king group that I'm part of. Um and that's like a very different way of living to like when I'm brought back to like oh hospital appointments and keeping my health in check and stuff. That completely different worlds for me. But I do agree with Amelia as well that when you go into hospital and stuff, they definitely don't ask for pronouns. It's not the norm. The standard um i think unless you're on a what's it teenage cancer trust unit i think they're a little bit better but um it's not it's not the standard and i'm often mistaken for a boy and obviously that's just i don't know it's a difficult experience do you know what i mean you were speaking about in that post as well um how you were treated differently depending on how you dress and because of the length of your hair what did it feel like actually once you got to that moment of like acceptance and thought I'm gonna present myself how I want to present myself and feel comfortable in that what was that moment like yeah I mean it was kind of a long time coming like I think it was over like 10 years because I'd lost my hair and then people would mistake me for a boy and I'd be 
um, you know, getting hate crimed before I knew I was even gay, just because I had short hair. Um, and I was actually like 11, 12 at the time. But, you know, that, that didn't really make a difference. Um, so I kind of dressed ultra feminine, like, and just tried to wear lots of makeup, you know, foundation, big lashes, um, lots of floral pink and stuff to try and prove, like, yes, I'm a woman. Like, you know, I was just kind of overdoing it for quite a long time. Um, and then it was kind of, I think when I'd found a place in the queer community, like especially with my drag kings, that I was like, oh, wait, I don't need to be doing all of this. Like, I can be a woman and have short hair. Like, that's absolutely fine. Um, and I think it was like a big moment, just, you know, getting my hair off, shaving it, be like, right, let's start again. Um, and I think it is really good to live in your most genuine form. Like, I think you get backlash with it as well. But it is like, I feel true to myself. Evan, is what you're hearing familiar to you or have you experienced something different? What about the connection between cancer and the LGBTQ community is important for you? Well, what's important is because I think, obviously, equality is that we need to make sure that we all being treated fair way. And like, it's actually quite sad, Louise, that, you know, you had to feel that way, that you had to prove yourself as a woman. You know, that's actually in our day and age, it shouldn't happen anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, luckily for me, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I was 22. And by that time, I was fully out and confident with myself. So I didn't have those kind of problems. I didn't have those kind of experiences, like as, as deep as this. Uh, it was still weird for me because I come from a country where I grew up not knowing what gay meant. Until I came to UK when I was 19, I actually didn't really understood gay. So as well, like Amelia, I was like thinking I'm bisexual and just like experimenting with my life and stuff. Obviously, when I came to UK and I saw how open LGBTQ community is, that's when I realized to a full potential, I am actually queer. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think it's very important for us as a trust to make sure everyone feel free to express who they are. I'm interested to hear about how it is being at the trust and being part of the LGBT community, how that how that is, is bridged. You're all graduate volunteers now, Louise. I know you're we having your first trip later this year as a graduate volunteer and that's super exciting uh so you've all been around for at least a few years um on the last episode for example lauren mentioned that most of the friends she has who are lgbtq she met through the trust uh has been part of the community intersected with your time at the trust at all ivan what's that experience been like for you so far uh i don't know to be honest because for some reason on the trips we I haven't really, like, we just click on with each other. And it doesn't feel like there is a need to discuss your uh, gay experiences and stuff. You know, like, it just, we just kind of get together and 
as a volunteers, I suppose as well, at the trust uh, trips, that's not your priority for us. You know, our priority is the young people. And obviously you can see a lot of young people who are brave enough to come out these days. But again, you can see a lot who actually still too reserved. That's my opinion, obviously. Uh, but I think because the trust allows you to be who you are, no matter what your background, where you come from, who you are, or anything like, it's, we are so, basically, you feel accepted, no matter who you are. And I think that's a very important message that trust sends to people. Yeah, so like, as a young person, when you first come on the trip, you're treated with so much respect. I felt, um, obviously, I felt nervous as a young person. You're coming to a weird island that you've never been to before, that you're sailing a boat for the first time. There's a lot of news, there's a lot of first, a lot of independence. But the thing that you realise is, especially from the staff, is they take you at face value, is that they don't, they don't pry, they don't, you know, they don't make you feel uncomfortable inherently at face value. I think as I have gone through the trust as a young person and then into a graduate volunteer, obviously my responsibility and my role has increased within the trust. I think what I see now, especially, obviously 10 years, I started coming on the trust trips when I was 15, I'm now 24. Obviously culturally there's been a lot of changes. So even in those 10 years, I've seen a lot more young people that are like, Ivan said that I had that confidence to come out but because that trust has that inherent point of view of like we don't care who you are just come on the trips and sail with us come and be in the council community that's the priority point and I set, think as a volunteer I'd rather be I'd rather represent myself in a good light if I'm the only queer person a person sees in their whole entire life I want to just be myself I don't want to be a walking stereotype I don't want to be oh Amelia the queer volunteer I'd just rather be, hi, I'm Amelia, I'm a volunteer. And just so you know that I am, this is me, but it isn't the whole of me. The same with my cancer story is that I'm really happy to talk to young people about my cancer story, but that isn't inherently me. There's so many parts of me that is multifaceted. And, um, and I think there has been lots of stuff on trips where there has been a couple of hiccups, but within the trust, um, they've been dealt with very professionally and very openly and everyone that has been involved in those sort of like small say maybe for example let's just take bullying for example if there has been a small incident of bullying it has been dealt in within the staff and been dealt with the young person as the focus it's all done on their the priority of the young person and the prerogative of the young person which is so important um and I feel like if I started to become comfortable with expressing myself on trips that was the first time where I felt like I could be like oh everyone's a bit kind of nice to me here I don't have to panic about what everyone thinks I can it's where I first started trying out they them pronouns it's where I first started to say that I was non-binary because I felt safe enough to go yeah Frank doesn't care like he cares in the fact that I feel safe enough but he doesn't care that I am non-binary he's not gonna treat me any different because of that and it's the same with all the other staff and all the skippers and even other young people I think especially now like I said the cultural change people are more accepting towards the my pansexuality and my non-binaryness it's just kind of like oh yeah okay and then push the side but it's just here it's it's just next to me uh not like the forefront of me if that makes sense 
I mean, I'm not sure how he'll mind about you calling the Isle a weird little island, but we'll, we'll see. Sorry, <laughs> I can change that. <laughs> Louise, uh, same question to you. Um, I think like it's definitely, unlike a lot of spaces, it's not exclusionary because I think you don't have to have other things in common apart from cancer. Like That's what's bringing you together. Um, you might have completely different lifestyles and come from really different backgrounds, but that's not like that's not the thing that you're there for. Um, you know, and when you're chatting about your life experiences, it often comes down to like, you know, the health and your cancer recovery or what you're dealing with. And I think that's more kind of what you're focused on on the trip. It's not really about much else. I think that's kind of why it works so well because it's not you know you you don't have to label yourself anything when you get to the trip sort of thing and there's not a pressure to speak about certain things and if you don't want to speak about cancer you don't have to like it's not put on anyone um see I think that's that's my experience really it's just not an exclusionary space can I ask was there like a moment or an action that made it feel that way for you because maybe there could be a feeling that oh it is exclusionary or oh it isn't exclusionary what made you think this isn't exclusionary was there something in particular um i think maybe like 10 years ago it might have been different like as was you know society's views do you know what i mean but um i think now definitely i've seen much more of a commitment to diversity and inclusion and that's like something that I've kept hearing when going on the trips. And it's often quite, as I like announced quite a bit of at the beginning, like, you know, we're diverse, we're um, inclusive. And I think they they actually stick to the statement. Ivan, same question to you. I know you sort of said it's not something that always comes up to, <clears throat> to talk about on trips, but is there something that you think, oh, that's actually that's working well in that area i think from the from the first time i came on a trip which was probably 10 years ago as a young person i felt included you know i was openly gay so everyone kind of knew from the moment they met me like I, i'm very open about who i am I, like and i never felt excluded I always felt welcome and how to say the trust basically opens their arms widely for anyone without even thinking who they are. That's not what the trust about. Trust is basically wants to make you feel sure that you are safe. And that's how I felt. And from that moment when the first time they started the graduate volunteer program. I jumped at the chance of being one and I never regret it. Amelia, same question to you. Is there something in particular that works well? You said, for example, Frank doesn't care. He cares about making sure you feel safe and welcome. Other things like that. So, yeah, it's the, as well as the inherent kind of inclusiveness of the charity is that when there is... For example, on the training day, there was a few years ago, there was a bit of a hiccup. And uh, I felt that I needed to talk to the staff about some of the training material that was being used. 
uh, especially as it was around safeguarding. And um, what happened is there was a use of a slur that was uh, gave the opportunity of other people within the training room to use other slurs or to use stereotypically negative behaviour towards LGBTQ people. It made it safe to do that, which is not right, and not part of the trust behaviour. So I did speak to Frank afterwards, which led to a really open and honest conversation uh, and really um, great dialogue between the both of us. It was me, a trustee and Frank. And what I love about the trust is they're not afraid to admit, not admit a mistake, but when they make a mistake, do actual change, not just create a PR. You know, like, you know, you know how charities and companies sometimes just create a PR, like an Instagram post to apologise, but don't actually make actual change to their policy and change that is actually visible. The trust has done that. And especially as a volunteer, where you see a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, um, you can really see the true impact and the true change that the trust is trying to create to make sure that everybody does feel in- included within the trips. So whenever I speak to uh, people on trips, the last question I typically ask is, um, if you could speak to someone who is considering coming along on a trip for the first time and maybe they're feeling nervous, what would you say to them to encourage them to come along? I think in that same spirit, what I would like to end this with is if you could speak to someone who is part of the LGBTQ community and they've experienced a cancer diagnosis, what would you say to them? Ask and do as much as you want to do. I think it's a safe place where if you want to ask questions or try to express yourself the way that you want to feel free completely but take the steps that you want to do because that's the most important thing is your happiness on the trips and your enjoyment so be who you want to be within your limits and your your own with your own consent if that makes sense feel free to be who you are on the trips because there's no there is no judgment it is a safe place to come and be I definitely have experienced it it was where I felt safe enough to kind of come out especially with being genderqueer So, yeah, and just come and be on the trips and speak to other people that have had cancer because you will be so shocked and surprised about how many walks of life come on this trip, these trips. Yeah, just be surprised and come and be who you want to be. I would say Amelia actually couldn't have said it better, to be honest. Just be yourself. Express yourself the way you want to express and don't be afraid because no one's going to judge you. Everyone can support you. And... We are just trying to make sure that you are happy with who you are. And obviously after cancer, I know that a lot of us feel very down, lonely. There's so many emotions go through people's minds. Just be yourself, open up, and you will see the difference and the acceptance the trust can provide yeah i agree with them as well like even expression in like how you dress that's something that people just don't even turn a blind eye at like it's just you know another thing it's not a big thing at all and it's not picked out you're not you know separate from others in the trust you're kind of all equal um because everyone does come from different backgrounds you know um and i think i mean before you know it you're putting giant water coats anyway so <laughs> no matter what you try and wear you're gonna be forced into something very large and waterproof anyways that's it for this week 
Thank you so much to Amelia, Ivan and Louise for joining us and you too for listening in. In case you don't know, this Saturday is the start of July, which means it's the start of our 200 for 20 birthday fundraiser. You could help inspire more brighter futures than ever this summer by taking part, raising £200 in celebration of our 20th birthday. The trust team are taking part. Hayley is giving up Iron Brew for 20 days, which, given I sit beside her in the office, I promise is remarkable. And Carenza is giving up swearing for the whole month, which I couldn't possibly comment on how remarkable that is. Find all the info and inspo for 200 for 20 on our website and help us celebrate 20 magical years and inspire even more brighter futures. That's it for now. We'll probably be back later in the year, but if we're back sooner, please don't hold that against me. So till whenever that is, take care.